0: Welcome to Victory Church Podcast. At Victory, we are committed to connecting people to God, His church and their purpose. For more information, visit victorychurch.net.au. Now prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. Let's thank this team. They're awesome. They do an amazing job, week in and week out. You guys are blessed with some of the best. I like that. That rhymes you're blessed with some of the best. And uh, it's amazing. I, I uh, had We had a great time this morning. Who was here this morning? Yes. Who, who started living a legacy life? Man, I'm excited. I'm so excited. And uh, uh, we had a great time. I just love being with you guys this morning. And if you didn't get a chance to be here, I really do want to encourage you because I do feel that that's a word for today's church about living legacy lives. And I encourage you just to download that and, and just really get that into your spirit because I think it will change the way that you live. Uh, but tonight we're going to take a little bit of a different tact and I'm going to look at some stuff and I think you're going to be excited by uh, what God does. But uh, I did get a phone call from Tone uh, this afternoon and he sent me a picture and he said, "Oh, what do you what do you think about this?" And I, I made the mistake of replying, and he went, "Oh, you're obviously awake." And then he phoned me and he went, oh, how did it go this morning? You see, this is the thing is that your leaders, even when they're on holidays, they still care. Yeah. Even when they're on holidays, they're, they're, there's something in our hearts that we still care, we still love. I was so excited this afternoon to find out that in our kid, kids' ministry back home in Fusion, 11 kids gave their lives to the Lord this morning. Yeah. How cool is that? I'm away and and, and the continues down there. In fact, <laughs> they don't have 11 kids getting saved when I'm there. What's that got to say? I don't know. Just, uh, but I'm choosing to believe the best. I mean, it's just awesome just to hear that. And I know God is going to do some cool stuff here this evening. So when not you turn in your Bibles to Joshua chapter 5. Joshua chapter 5. We're going to read a portion of Scripture here. And um, I've entitled my message tonight that when walls fall, destinies open. When walls fall, Destinies open. How many of you know that uh, I'm really glad that there's walls in this building right now? Because they're actually holding the roof up, which is uh, keeping us alive. And, and I'm very thankful for these walls. But sometimes in life, there can be walls that aren't helpful. There can be walls that get in the way of where God wants us to go. There's walls that get in the way of us actually walking into that inheritance that God has. And so, whereas these physical walls are helpful, sometimes in our lives there can be walls that are unhelpful. I want to talk about those walls tonight. Because when those walls fall, destinies open up. And so, with that context, we're going to read from Joshua chapter 5, verse 13. And it'll be up on the screens as well, so you can follow there. Father, we just thank you for your word. We just thank You, Lord God, that Your Word is inspired. We thank You, Lord God, for the truth that's in this Word. And I pray that tonight as we sit under Your Word and as we look at the story of Joshua and the Israelites, that You would speak into our spirits, that You would show us about what You want to show us, O God, and that we want to see walls tumbling down this evening and destinies opening up. We ask this in Your precious name. Amen. Amen. Verse 13 of chapter 5 says, Now when Joshua was near Jericho, he looked up and he saw a man standing in front of him with a drawn sword in his hand. And Joshua went up to him and asked, Are you for us or for our enemies? Neither, he replied, But as the commander of the army of the Lord, I have now come. Then Joshua fell face down to the ground in reverence and asked, What message does my Lord have for his servant? The commander of the Lord's army replied, Take off your sandals, for the place where you stand is holy. And Joshua did so. Now the gates of Jericho were securely barred because of the Israelites. No one went out and no one came in. And then the Lord said to said to Joshua, "See, I've delivered Jericho into your hands, along with its king and its fighting men. March around the city once with all the armed men. Do this for six days, and have seven priests carry trumpets of ram's horns in front of the ark. And on the seventh day, won't you say seventh day? March around the s- uh, city seven times." With the priest blowing the trumpets. When you hear them sound a long blast, and the trumpets have the whole army give a loud shout. And then the wall of the city will collapse, and the army will go up, and everyone straight in. And you can go on and just read the story some more, but just for the sake of time, I just want to leave it there. But here we find this amazing story of, of, of the wars of Jericho. Josh and the Israelites are about to go in and take possession of the land that God had promised them. We'd seen God speak to Joshua in the beginning of the book of Joshua and actually promise him this great inheritance. But here's the thing that we find out through looking at the life of Joshua is that even though God promises us things, even though there's an inheritance for us to walk into individually, collectively, as a church community, even though those promises are true and they stand, there's still Jericho's that need to be faced. There are still fortified cities that sometimes lay before us, walls that at times seem impenetrable, walls that at times seem like nothing can bring them down. And the story that we find of, Jericho and the, of Joshua and the Israelites is that God is able to break through that which would seem impenetrable. It says in verse one of chapter six, it says at the gates of the city, the city called Jericho, were securely shut. They were securely shut so that no one could go in and no one could come out. And the reason why they were barred shut like that was because the city had heard that the Israelites were coming to claim their inheritance. And so they, were, they said, we're, we're gonna lock the doors down. We're gonna put up this impenetrable fortress so that the Israelites don't claim this land. You see, the enemy isn't really excited. The devil's not excited about you walking into the fullness of what God has for your life. There are always gonna be Jericho's before you. But the great thing that I want us to come away with tonight is to know that the battle is the Lord's and that when we come alongside Him, walls fall and destinies open up. And so whatever it is that you're facing in your life this evening, whatever it is that you're going through, I want you to know that nothing is too great for our God. Your destiny is in His hands. There's no Jericho that is too great. There's no wall that is impenetrable. Even though you might look at it and it looks very real and it looks like there's no way around this, what we have to know is that our God is greater than that which you see before you. And so we find ourselves here and we see that uh, these fortified cities, this fortified city was was impenetrable. You know, I was thinking back when I was thinking around this text and I thought back to when I was a young Christian and I was baptised. And I remember that day so fondly and I remember it so well uh, uh, to this very day, almost 30 years, over 30 years later. And, and, and I was so excited about Jesus having found me and me having found Jesus. I, I don't know how many of you remember that day when you discovered that Jesus had a plan for your life. Uh, you know, Mick spoke about Psalm 103. It said, forget not all these benefits. Yeah. You know, just remembering what Jesus has done for us. In fact, I think in January, actually I preached out of that very sermon. And just speaking about the incredible work of salvation that Jesus has done for us. And let's remember that amazing saving work. And I remember that day clearly and I remember the joy and I remember the excitement and I remember that. I remember the pastor of the church that I was part of, as he baptized me and I came out out of the water, he prayed over me and he prophesied over me. And he said, one day you're gonna be a pastor. And I remember listening to him. I remember in my mind thinking that's one of the craziest things I've ever heard. I remember my mind thinking, I want to believe that. But to be honest, I don't think that could ever be a reality in my life. You see, I had some Jerichos that I needed to face. God spoke a destiny over my life, but I didn't actually believe it. There were things within me that were hindering me from seeing what God could see. And so I had to kind of wrestle with that. And I remember thinking about things like I had no church background. I hadn't grown up in a Christian family. I hadn't grown up with any spiritual heritage to speak of. I was a sinner who had messed up plenty, blown it. I got, only got saved at university, which is the place that most people lose their salvation. I was one of the odd ones. I actually got saved at university. But let me tell you, before I got saved, I was a really good student and not in the way that you think. I live life to the full. I was a sinner (laughs) in every sense, in every way. And I remember thinking, God, how can you use me? How can you use me coming from where I've come from? I had this weird thinking that that in my mind, I said, I I haven't grown up in church. I didn't go to Sunday school. I don't know what difference it actually makes, but in my mind, I kind of said, I can't be a pastor because I haven't been to Sunday school. I haven't been to a connect group. Uh, you know, I, 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 it's impossible for me to be a pastor. I, I feel like I'm on the back foot and my, I came from a broken home, a broken family and my parents' marriage just ended disastrously and myself and my brother ended up being raised in separate homes. I remember thinking, God, how can you use me? My family wasn't of any reputation. In fact, we were just joking yesterday and I was, we were just talking about uh, something with Andre and I was saying, I definitely married up. When I married Jill, I married up. She was on the right side of the tracks. I was clearly on the wrong side of the tracks. And so so I I really feel that I'm batting up the order a little bit. But in my mind, all this stuff is going on. I'm thinking, God, you can't use me. How can you use me? I've pastored, no way. You see, I dismissed that prophetic word as a well-meaning prayer and I put it on the shelf. And it was only as I, began, as I began to grow as a Christian, I sat with leaders and I sat with people and I began to share and talk about these things that I began to understand that I had these Jerichos that I needed to face. There were these Jerichos within me, these Jericho walls, these impenetrable things that I had said, I cannot be used by God. It doesn't matter what God says. It doesn't matter how much they preached it. I just didn't believe it because I had these Jericho walls that were inside of me. For me personally, there were Jerichos of self-doubt and insecurity, always worrying about what others thought and allowing that to dictate what I did versus finding my security in God and trusting in Him first and foremost. I don't know if there's anyone out there today that's honest enough to say I battle with that Jericho because I did. There was a Jericho of my identity I mean, not understanding that I needed to find it first and foremost in God and not in people. Yeah. <laughs> not in a relationship, yeah. but in God first and foremost. So I had a Jericho of knowing, of needing to know that I, that I was greatly loved by my heavenly Father simply for who I was and not for what I did, because I grew up thinking it was all about what you did. Yeah. And now all of a sudden I found out that it wasn't about what I did. It was simply about the fact that God loved me. There was a Jericho that I needed to face. There was a Jericho of always wanting to play it safe. And I needed to learn to risk and adventure more with God. And I'm so glad I did because if it wasn't for that, we wouldn't be in this nation. We wouldn't be in Canberra. We would have been playing it safe still. But I'm so thankful that we've learned to trust God and adventure with Him. There was a Jericho that we needed to face. I had a Jericho of my past disqualifying my future. Understanding that I wasn't damaged goods but I could actually find healing and wholeness and release and comfort and empowering in Him. I had a Jericho of the past of my family and not allowing that false start in some ways, I love my family, but there was no spiritual heritage to speak of. But I'm so thankful that I can still love my family, but my family's past doesn't have to determine my future. There was a Jericho that I actually needed to face. There was a Jericho of being a slave to my personality. This is a big one. Because I know there's people here tonight, you're simply a slave to your personality. And you're saying, I'm introverted. I'm not, I'm not a big personality. I can't do all this stuff. I see Mick and these guys getting up here and talking big and large and telling us how excited they are. Hebrews. I, I can't do that, I'm just an introvert. Let me let you into a little secret. I'm an introvert. He said, like, what? You're a preacher. You're up on a stage. You do this every week. What do you mean you're an introvert? I'm an introvert. If you would ask me, take my personality, what would I like to do? Man, I'd be the guy sitting at the back, hiding away, I'm quite comfortable on my own. I don't need lots of people around me. I, I enjoy my own company but you know what? I haven't been called to be a slave to my personality. God has a destiny for my life and He has a destiny for your life and He wants you to rise up above your personality. There's a Jericho wall that we need to face and so we will not allow our personality to be the thing that dictates our future, but we want God's plans and purposes to be the thing that dictates our future. There are Jericho walls that we need to face, people. I was a slave to my personality. There was a Jericho I needed to face. I had to face a Jericho not living with a poverty spirit and mentality because of my upbringing, but learning to believe in the generosity and the abundance of our God. That our God is a God who blesses abundantly and that He wants to bless you abundantly. Even when things seem like they're going crazy, His desire is to bless. We looked at that this morning. We saw how Abraham, the promise of Abraham says that, that he would be blessed and all people on earth would be blessed through him. And even when people cursed him, they would be cursed, but all people are gonna be blessed. That's the nature of our God. I had a few Jerichos. I had a Jericho of not being in control all the time. Are there any control freaks out there tonight? Leanne, you need to put your hand up. We all know that's just we know thats it's public knowledge. I'm one of those too. I like to be in control of things, my wife will tell you I like to, but I've had to learn that that's a Jericho that I have to face because you know what, when you're in control all the time, that's when there's no room for God. That's when there's no room for the Holy Spirit. And I have to learn to actually let go of the steering wheel and actually allow God to take over. Because if God doesn't take over, then it's just me. And let me assure you, where I'm going to take us is not the same destination as where God's going to take us. And it's always a better destination where God's going to take us than where I'm going to take us. And so we all have Jerichos. And it's as I began to face those Jerichos that I began to see the promises of God start and, and just begin to become a reality. Because when walls begin to fall, that's when destinies begin to open. Let's pick it up in chapter 5, verse 13. We see the command of the Lord's army appears to Joshua and he asks him this question. Joshua asks the command, he says, are you for us or for our enemies? So basically he's asking, say, whose team are you on? It's like a schoolyard pick. And and you kind of see the, the big new kid come on to the schoolyard. And he's a brute of a guy, man. He's tall. looks like, man, you're looking for someone to play a footy, footy in, the, in the lunch break. And you're looking at this guy and you're thinking, man, I want him on my team. I, I want him. I'm going to pick him on my team. And, and so Joshua asked this question, who are you for? And I love the response of the commander of the Lord's army. Because <laughs> you kind of expect him to almost say, Joshua, I'm on your team. Because we know in chapter one of Joshua, he had told, God had told Joshua, I'm on your team and you're on my team. Yeah. But he comes in here and he says to Joshua, he said, Joshua, I'm not on anyone's team. I was like, what? So, sorry, can I take you back to chapter one where you promised me all these things about this. Now you're saying you're not on my team. What's the go with that? He says, Neither. And I, you might be thinking, what's this? Is God the ultimate fence sitter? Is God someone who kind of just sits on the fence and watch your life just kind of continue and just go on its merry way and He just sits back and He just has a look at it? No, that's not what He's trying to, trying to show us. What He's trying to show us is that, is that this, is that He's not coming to take sides, but He's coming to take over. There's a big difference. God doesn't wanna take sides, He wants to take over. And as you look at the story of Joshua and the Israelites and these walls of Jericho, you begin to see the story as one of not God taking sides, but God taking over. Yeah, yeah. Let me tell you, it's a much better place when you know that God's taking over. <laughs> That's a place where you can rest in. That's a place that you can relax in. That's a place that is of amazing grace when you know that God's taking over. The walls are there. The walls are impenetrable. The walls, like they cannot be defeated. But what I know from the story of Joshua and the Israelites that God has come to take over. <laughs> All of a sudden, the pressure's off. Hey, it's not about me. It's about our God. It's about who He is. It's about His plans, His promises, His destiny. It's not about me. And so, He says this in verse 15. Joshua hears this and and he he falls flat on his face. And he says in verse 15, the Lord speaks to him and says, Take off your sandals for the place where you're standing is holy. And Joshua did so. You see, in that moment, Joshua realised that something else was at play here. Joshua realised that this wasn't just some big kid on the playground. This was God Himself. He understood that in that moment there was something supernatural that was actually going on. And so whenever you're facing a Jericho in your life, let me say to you, just throw yourself at the feet of Jesus. Throw yourself at His feet. That's the safest place that you can be. Throw yourself before Him because that's where the supernatural power and enabling of Jesus is found. Throw yourself at His feet because you're standing on holy ground. If God is gonna take over, then we have to get under His covering. (laughs) If God's gonna take over, then let's get under. Let's get under his covering. And then in verse 2 of chapter 6, God says to Joshua, "See, I have delivered Jericho into your hands along with a king and its fighting men." If I was Joshua at this point in the story, I'd kind of be saying, "What do you mean? What do you mean, see? I'm standing here. I'm looking at these walls. They're as impenetrable as before. They're as large, they're as imposing." Don't you see the King and these fighting men there? They're free. Am I looking at the wrong walls, God? Am I looking in the wrong direction? Did you have too many lattes this morning, God? Did you have a late night last night? Maybe you didn't get enough sleep. Maybe you were hallucinating. And there he is, because these walls are still there. I'm still seeing what I saw an hour ago, nothing has changed. I don't know how many of us sometimes feel like that. We look at our lives and we look at the Jericho of our lives and we're kind of saying, God, nothing's changed. Still there. But here's the thing. is that God doesn't see the way that we see. He doesn't see the way that we see. He sees prophetically. He sees through the eyes of the future. We look at the here and now. God looks through the eyes of the future and He looks into a different realm. Just like Jesus, who this morning I said, He said, He saw through the cross. He didn't look at the cross, He looked through the cross. He saw what lay on the other side of the cross and it was that that enabled Him to go to the cross for you and I. What do you see? What do you see? Because Jericho walls fall when we see what God sees. You know, every year I do eye tests because I have glasses, as you can see. Hopefully you can see. If you can't see I wear glasses, you need to go have an eye test. But I have eye tests and I do this one test every year. When I go, they do it and they, they, they blur your vision and then they turn the lens and they bring it back into focus. As they change the lenses, and they go, can you see, 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 and you look at it, no, 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 no. Ah, I can see. It's that eureka moment. You know what some of us need to do? We need to change the lenses that we're looking through. Some of us are looking through the wrong lenses. You're looking at those walls, those Jericho walls, and you're looking through the wrong lenses. And God says, I want you to see what I see. I want you to look with the lenses that I have, not look through the lenses that you're using. You need to change the lenses that you're doing. What you see will determine what you do. And so in chapter six, verses three to five, He says, "This march around the city once with all your armed men, and do this for six days, and have seven priests carry trumpets of ram's horns in front of the ark. And on the seventh day, march around the city seven times with the priests blowing the trumpets. And when you hear them sound a long blast on the trumpets, have the whole army give a loud shout. Then the wall of the city will collapse, and the army will go up, and everyone will go in. So Joshua." says, okay, I'm gonna do what God says. And so he gets this guard together and he has an arm guard at the front, an arm guard at the rear. He gets the seven priests together. They carry the ark of the Lord and off they go around the city. It's interesting that they carried the ark of the Lord with them, which is said to to be God's presence. It was said to actually hold God's presence. And we're talking about conquering the Jericho's in our life. Don't try and do it in your own strength. Don't do it in your own strength. You know, there's a place for going to psychologists and going to counsellors and we believe in that and we refer people to those things all the time. But at the end of the day, what needs to underlie all of that is understanding that it's God's presence that ultimately is the thing that sustains us and helps us and heals us. Those things can be helpful in the process, but they are not the be all and the end all and the ultimate aim. It's God's presence that enables us And so Joshua says to him, all right, guys, I want you to march around the city. And on day one, I want you to sound the trumpets. I want you to uh, don't say a word, don't lift up your voices, don't say anything. And then I want you to return to the camp. And it says they did this for six days straight. Can you just imagine what was going on in their heads? Oh, we've just been told we're going to fight battles. We've got to be courageous. We, we're going we're to go take the land. And then here's the grand plan that Joshua comes up with. He says, come on, let's get some trumpets out. Let's make some music. Let's march around the city. And off they go. Don't say a word. And I can just imagine the, the king and his, and his, and his armies just ridiculing them. This is the beginning of sledging. Happening right here. Our national sport started here with Joshua and they're on the receiving end of all the sledging and they couldn't say a thing back. And off they go day one and they march around and they do this thing. And I can just imagine the mental battles and, 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 and the, the, the human, human urges that they're facing. They might even have been questioning, Joshua, have you really heard God? <laughs> How many times do we question whether our leaders have really heard God? It goes quiet when we say that. I lead a church, I know, people question sometimes. But all we can do is just be true to what we've heard God say. And right now, in this moment, we don't even know if Joshua was even part of this army marching around. In fact, he was probably sitting back in the camp. And I can just imagine the, the troops as they're marching around, doing these ridiculous things, blowing trumpets with swords and not being able to say anything, getting all this ridicule raining down on them. I can just imagine that they're probably going, the first time as they go around on day one, they're probably thinking, this is ridiculous. The second day as they go around, they're saying, this is ridiculous. The third day they're saying, Joshua's lost his mind. On the fourth day, they're walking around, they say, saying, man, what do you think we're doing? This is crazy. Don't you think this is crazy on the fifth day and so on and so forth. The human urges, the mental urges and to me many of the Jericho's that we have to face are not external things, they're things in our mind and our spirit. Mindsets. Voices. Internal voices that we've just got to face. Someone once said this, he said that the, the mind is the landing strip of the devil. And I think that's so true. You know, the thing that the Israelites did is that they understood the power of same. For six days, they did the same thing every single day. You know, the secret to seeing walls crumble is to be found in you doing the same thing every single day. The power of same. Some of us are looking for a moment, a meeting, that, oh, it's all gonna happen there. No, it's the power of of doing the same thing every single day. What did they do? This is what they did. They marched together. Don't walk your life alone. You were never intended to be an island. You intended to be part of His family, part of His army. We march together into the destiny that God has. That's why church is important. That's why community is important. That's why you need to be here. You don't need to be here because we need you to fill a seat. You need to be here because you need to be here. Turn to the person next to you. Say, you need to be here. And the person on the other side, you need to be here. Let's do this next week. The power of the same. The other thing that they did, they went armed. They went with weapons. Weapons that they had. And we've got weapons of prayer, weapons of the Word, weapons of worship, weapons of a holy lifestyle, weapons of generosity. And God says, if you want Jericho walls to come falling down, then pick up your weapons. Let's not be a powerless generation. But let's understand the weapons that God has given us. The power of same, wielding those things day in and day out. What else did they do the same? They worshipped. They sounded the trumpets each day as they marched. Worship is what led them out. Worship is what led them around. Worship is what led them home. They worshipped. Let's be a thankful people. Let's be a praising people. Let's be a people that give honour where honour is due. Let's be a people who the praise of God is quick to come off our lips. When you're feeling down, when you're feeling defeated, just understand it's a power of same, of just coming before our living God and exalting His Name and praising Him and declaring His greatness and His goodness and His purposes over your life, over your family, over your situation, over your circumstances. He is a God who deserves to be worshipped and praised and loved. Lifted up and exalted. And if we don't do it, the trees and the fields, they will clap their hands. The rocks will cry out. And all of creation will speak of His goodness. He deserves to be praised. Come on, I'm excited. Come on, let's get that worship team up here. They're coming. It's coming. They carried the word. The ark of the Lord that they carried around was said to carry the 10 commandments. They carried the word with them every day. Every day the word of the Lord was the thing that sustained them and kept them. Every day as they marched around those walls, they knew this is what the promises of God say. Say. They carried the presence. And they obeyed. They simply obeyed. Destiny opens up along the pathway of obedience. We've got to learn to obey. Obeys commands, obeys words. We don't like to obey. I come from a city where people don't like to obey. We like to do our own thing. Who are you to tell me what to do? but the Word says that we're to obey and Joshua and them did. And then on the seventh day, they did something the same as every other day, but it was different. Because on the seventh day, they got up at daybreak and marched around the city seven times in the same manner. Except on that day, they circled the city seven times. And seven times around when the priests sounded the trumpet blast, Joshua commanded the army, shouts, for the Lord has given you the city. We've got a trumpet right here, Joshua. Declare that trumpet. Shouts. For he has given you the city. Shout when you hear the trumpet call because God has given you the city. On that seventh day, they did something that was the same but different. Seven is God's number. Seven speaks of our God. Seven is the day of completion. Seven is the day of rest. Seven, after seven years, it was a sabbatical year. And then seven times seven years was the year of Jubilee. You see seven is significant because seven speaks of God. If we're gonna see Jericho walls fall, it's got very little to do with me and a whole lot to do with God. You see, they didn't have to lift a single weapon in anger. They didn't have to drop a single bit of blood. All they had to do was do what God had told them to do. And on the seventh day, it says they marched around the city and they declared that God is in control. I was thinking about this seven times and I was thinking, God, what's the significance of seven times? And I, I thought about this and I, and, I, and I felt like God spoke to me out of this. And he says, it's the first time they're marching around the city. Number one, Lap number one, it was to remind them that God is a God of new beginnings, yeah. a God of a new future. And so they marched around, number one, God saying, I'm a God of new beginnings. Yeah. The second time they march around Jericho, it was to remind them that with Him, they have a union that nothing can break. Yeah. Yeah. The third time they march around Jericho, they, it's God's emphasising, it's God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, three in one who are gonna get this done. The fourth time they marched around is to remind them that on the fourth day He created the sun, the moon, the stars and ultimately He's in control of everything. The fifth time that He marched around, they marched around the city It's to remind them that they carried with them those first five books of the Bible which were full of His promises for them as a nation. The sixth time that they marched around it was to remind them was the number of men to remind them of their weakness and their fallibility and their desperate need for God. But seven times, God's number speaks of His perfection, His power, His completion of things, His breakthrough, His healing, His freedom, His purposes. And Joshua says on that seventh time, when you hear the trumpet sound, Joshua, when you hear the trumpet sound, shout." Shouts, for the Lord has given you the city. And when you shout, it's not a shout in the natural. It's not a shout of fear. It's not a shout of of, of trying to intimidate the enemy. It's a shout of faith. It's a shout of faith in our God that says, God, You're bigger than this Jericho wall. This thing that seems impenetrable, this thing that seems like it cannot be moved. God, You're greater than that thing. And I'm going to lift up my voice when I hear that trumpet sound. And I'm going to proclaim your greatness. I'm going to proclaim your destiny. I'm going to proclaim your purposes. I'm going to proclaim who you are. He wants us to shout tonight with a shout that understands that nothing can stand in the way of our mighty God. No wall is too strong. No fortress is too impenetrable. No life too far, far gone. No sickness beyond His touch. No marriage beyond His restoration. No womb beyond conception. He says, I want you to raise a shout to that God. That God of Joshua. That God who promises victory. Who purchased for us on the cross and whose promises are yes and amen. That God who reigns over all things. That God who defeated the jaws of sin and death. That God who rose again on the third day. That God in whom the culmination of all things is found. That God whose name is above every other name. That God who is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. That God who believes in you more than you believe in yourself. That God who cannot back away from the destiny that He has for your life but it will move heaven and earth to see it fulfilled. That God who calls the things that are not as though they are. That God who speaks life into dead things. That God whose name is Jesus and His name. Every knee must bow, every tongue confess. That God who is our healer. That God who is our deliverer. That God who is mighty. That God who is the author of marriage. That God who can restore every situation. That God who is a God of the second chance, that God who is holy and just and merciful and loving, who doesn't treat us as our sins deserve, that God who has plans and purposes for us, that God, raise a shout! 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 Come on, raise a shout. Raise a shout. Come on, raise a shout. Come on. Come on, raise a shout. Raise a shout. Thank you for taking the time to listen. If you have any questions, please email us at admin at victorychurch.net.au.